1: It's 708 at Newstalk WSB twenty-nine degrees outside. This is and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you're doing, which may be pruning trees and shrubs that got mashed by the snow last weekend. And I want to give a couple of tips on that. Again, you can call us at four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty if you have specific questions about your particular plant and what damage can be Repaired on it, but one of the only one of the only plants that really got broken in my backyard. Oh, I was, I'm weeping for this one, a big tall privet plant that is on my neighbor's property. So I haven't taken the taken the time to go over and kill or saw down the privet plant on my neighbor's property. But the top of it, it was easily 20 feet tall, and now it's 10 feet tall because the top of it just bent over and bang popped out dead. So that's something I'll do something maybe today to take, take a couple of pictures of that perhaps during the afternoon while I work on it. Here's the deal. When you have a broken limb on a tree, there are a couple of things you do immediately as soon as it's safe to do it. One is to clean it up, meaning not to have any rough twigs or splinters or torn bark or anything like that sticking out of the torn place. You may have to get a saw and resaw it to make a nice clean cut, but that all makes the Twig or the branch that was broken off It makes it be able to regrow faster If it is right close to the main Trunk of the tree, make you cut About a quarter inch to a half an inch away From the trunk, there's a nice little callus ridge You'll see right there, as you saw And if you stay just to the outside of that callus ridge That will seal over The place where the limb was one of the things to avoid completely is leaving stubs. Stubs that are 8 to 10 inches long are nothing but avenues for disease and water and stuff to get into the trunk of the tree. And so we never leave long stubs on the tree. We either cut it off clean or if it's a longer piece, 24, 36, 48 inches or beyond that, just clean up the the end where it was real splintery. On places where the bark has been torn, you got some loose bark maybe on the side of a maple tree or elm or something. The easiest thing to do there I think is get a razor knife, just a regular sharp razor knife and you'll be able to see where the bark is loose, where it's been loosened as it's torn off of the tree and where it's tightly adhered to the bark of the tree and you make your laser take your razor knife and cut right there around the edge of that wound. I'm making the motion right here in front of the microphone so you'll see it so well. But you make your your razor knife cut just where the bark is loosened and where it's tightly attached to the trunk of the tree, then leave that alone. And that, again, allows the tree to heal from that particular uh, wound. The other big thing that may happen in your landscape is trees that have been knocked over, fallen over, either tilted over or maybe all the way to the ground. The ones that are all the way to the ground, it is really, really hard to save them because not only do they have roots on one side that have been pulled out of the ground, but the roots that are underground on the side of where it fell, they're kinked, they're broken, they have been um, severely bent, they're underneath the soil. Many times the tree just can't repair that underground injury, that underground kink to the, to the roots. And it'll end up dying within a couple of months. If you try to straighten it up, it'll look fine, of course, for the winter. But in spring, it'll look sort of yellow. If it's a broadleaf plant or if it's a needle plant like a pine tree, it'll look pretty yellow. In May, June, very yellow. June, July, start turning brown. August, September, you got a full brown tree. Because those roots just could not re regrow, couldn't repair all the damage from being laid over on its side. If you have one that's tilted you might be able to straighten it up. Generally speaking, the ones that are 5 to 10 feet tall can be straightened up without much problem. For that, you dig an area underneath the root ball on the side away from where it's tilted so that when you pull it up, the root system can sort of fall into an open space in the soil. Then you take the soil that you removed and pack it down on top of the roots. You have to have something to hold it up for the next couple of years, though, because that side has to grow new roots, new anchoring positions as it goes out to the soil. And so for the next couple of years, it needs to be a very, very strong post, or maybe some way to attach it to a tree nearby, but some way to keep it upright, because it'll be very weak, weakened on the side away from which it fell. The stuff you use to tie that tree up, for goodness sakes, do not use wire. Do not use wire and you know, put it through a water hose and think that's enough padding. It is not. The best thing to use is one-inch or two-inch wide nylon belting. And quite honestly, Goodwill has a lot of belts there. <laughs> I go to Goodwill once in a while if I need a belt to hold a tree or something up and get one of the big wide belts for a dollar and a half at the end, of the end of the row on the uh, clothing aisle. And those make wonderful things to go around the trunk. They're loosely wrapped around the trunk. And then you can tie the wire, chain, or rope or whatever you're using to to hold the tree up to that belt that goes around the trunk. It does not ever want to tightly encircle the trunk in any way to restrict water going up and down through the trunk of the tree. If you have other specific questions, again, 404-872-0750. Ms. Ashley Frasca is here on line one. In the- I do
0: have a specific question. Yes. So you're talking about trees, you know, that may be leaning or tilted or have fallen, but... Yeah. What about shrubs? Like you said, in, in your case of the privet, it's yeah. going to be pretty easy because it broke off and you can trim it back. But right. my Chinese fringe, some of my privet, maybe some mm. of the lankier shrubs that yeah. are still just bowed over. They're not broken, but they're bowed over. Do you just kind of wait for them to slowly you know, become erect again,
1: or what do you do? Yeah, I think so. A lot of shrubs, even if it's mashed to the ground sometimes, will still grow erect. They'll gradually straighten back up over a couple of weeks' time. So there's no rush about doing any of this work. But I would certainly on the shrubs, I'd wait a couple of weeks, easy. See what happens, see if it straightens itself up. It may.
0: And so many short evergreen trees that are maybe in the fronts of neighborhoods and things that are maybe 10, 11 feet tall, those needles are so soft, they just didn't hold the weight of the snow very well. So, I mean, those things were almost
1: a U shape over a fence or over a wall. A wall wall or something like that. Uh, By the way, I have a great tip from my friend Shannon Pable. Um, She said she had some sky pencil holly. You know what sky pencil holly is? Real tall, erect, narrow sky pencil holly, and a arborvitae, too. If you go to a garden center, I'm sure Pike has this, there's this what I call green Velcro tape. You usually use it to tie tomatoes to a stake, just little short pieces of it, but you can get it in a long roll if you need a long roll. And she uses the green Velcro tape To wrap around her sky pencil holly or around her arbor body to hold the limbs back in place because they splay out like a banana otherwise and so she will use the green Velcro to pull it up close to the trunk, tie it, hold it in place, and after a year or so, it'll be, it can take. The, she can take the Velcro off of it. But the green, you can't see it, and it like the foliage, but it holds the limbs of her holly or her uh, arborvitae in place.
0: Great suggestions, and thank Leland, you very much.
1: Leland Cypress as well. If you have any kind of needle evergreen that has one limb that's bent out, and that's certainly typical of Leland Cypress. Again, green Velcro rolls, they get it for like five, six dollars, I guess, from Pike. And you use the green Velcro just to pull it in, hold it, you know, strap it to the trunk of the tree. It holds it upright, and everybody's happy. By the way, I want to give a greeting to my friend Phyllis, who's out there listening to us right now. Phyllis has had some troubles in her life, and she says, just like the postman, Walter Reeves is there. And I appreciate Phyllis is listening to us every Saturday morning. and hope that the troubles she's had with her family have certainly uh, cleared up in the next few weeks. Let's go to the phones. we got David, who just now has called in. David's out in Monticello, and he called about his roses. David, hey, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hey. Hey,
2: uh, David. Good morning to you. But, uh, no, my wife and I an anniversary is always in December, and I buy yeah. her live roses. because oh, I don't like buying cut flowers. Very know? nice. And last year, I barely cut them alive in the house, you know, trying to keep these things alive till spring so I could actually plant them.
1: Yeah.
2: But I didn't know if I could plant them now, and there was some way I could keep the roots or put like a little plastic dome so they don't get frost.
1: No, there's no reason you can't plant them now. Roses do great. Planted, what I call planted dormant. They don't have usually a lot of leaves on them when you buy them in a nursery. And so you could keep those. This is a A live plant that's what you're talking about right David
2: it's it's live it just came from a nursery it still has rose petals on there Okay. they made the conditions correct yeah
1: if they have had it outdoors at the nursery there's no reason you can't keep it outdoors at your house present it to your wife tell her how much you love her of course and then go outside and plant it together in some sunny place in the yard and it's no problem at all to plant it now oh sweet I have something to do this afternoon (laughs) sweet you got something to do yep David that's what you do today plant the rose All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good new weekend. You bet, Dave. Thanks for calling.
2: Bye-bye.
1: It's really not a bad time to plant in the wintertime because we rarely have the ground being frozen here. Up north, when they say don't plant when the ground is frozen, that does freeze. It's hard to dig in frozen soil. Down here, it might freeze once or twice in January, just a little inch or two depth of uh, frost and freezing soil. Here, no big deal. So if you want to plant a tree, a shrub, a living Christmas tree, anything like that, go ahead, plant them now. They have all the time during the winter and during the early spring to grow a new root system. And generally speaking, they'll be just fine to plant those things now. It's 717 News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. how many folks are out right this very minute, but in case you need to know the weather, we have a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, sunny, high around 55 degrees. Very pleasant this afternoon. Low tonight over about 37, we think. Beautiful day, all things considered. Tomorrow, late, we think maybe a chance of rain. Sunday, high 56, low of 30 degrees tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Marcus is out in Snailville and joins us to talk about his elephant ear. Hey, Marcus, good morning.
2: Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Great, great. I was calling because I have some those mammoth elephant ears in a place where they're way too big. Wow, yeah. About four or five feet, you know, per ear it feels like. But um, I just need to figure out if now a good time to go ahead and move them somewhere else because it's got a big um, basin as far as where they're coming up. And yeah. I'm just wondering about
1: that. So all the leaves, they're frozen, right? All the leaves right. are gone? They're
2: yeah. they frozen off. To take for the winter.
1: The best tool in the world for digging bulbs and corms, the you know, the base of the elephant ear, in my case, is a spading fork. If you don't have a spading fork, you have to be very careful with the shovel because the shovels are going to slice them in half and that, sort of ruins your day to see one of those nice bulbs that you sliced in half and you didn't realize where it was. But, Maybe I thought
2: the bunk's pretty big right now because yeah. they were kind of small whenever I planted them. did they oh, yeah. grow out super big?
1: And there'll be little bitty ones around the base of it, too, so there's a whole bunch of things you probably have not seen yet underneath the bowl where the babies will start coming up there. Uh-huh. That's why I want you to be careful as you dig it up. Go If you have just a shovel, go oh, 12 inches easily away from the clump and be okay. very carefully underneath, trying not to hit anything fleshy but I guarantee you there's some things underneath there you don't want to slice.
2: Okay, so today will be, uh, this time of the year would be a good time to
1: move on. Sure yeah, I'm and I'll tell you where... a couple of hints that you might uh, find useful. One is keep them as dry as possible during the storage time. I don't think you should replant them right now, but I think you can keep them inside. Keep them okay. as dry as possible. But unlike a lot of bulbs, which do best when they're warm or when they're cool, I mean, during the wintertime, an elephant ear really prefers room temperature. In other words, don't put it in the basement where it's cool. Put it in a closet upstairs where you live so it stays in the 65 to 75 degree range, and that's a lot better way to store them, maybe in a box with some crumpled up newspaper or something like that to keep them dry. And if you happen to have, Marcus, a little... People used to have this all the time. I, know, I never see it around the house anymore. A little box of sulfur, a little yellow, okay. dusty sulfur. And okay. I don't remember why my mother had it. Why, maybe it came from her mother. I have no idea. But that little box of sulfur is a great dusting to put on top of the elephant ear corns because it prevents diseases to cut places where you uh, cut off the leaves and maybe some of the roots that broke off of it. It's just dust that little bit with sulfur. It won't get the rot that some of them get when they uh, are in storage. If you can, do it. If you can't, don't obsess about it, but keep them dry. That's the biggest thing, dry and a little bit warm in the winter. Next spring, let's see, sometime in late April when it's warm outside, put them out and have a big bunch of elephant ears next year.
2: Okay, let me ask, can I put them up in the attic as far as keeping them dry up there? Oh, uh, it, so it, it seems a little God hot to in hot. the
1: attic. Yeah, it's too hot up there. Okay. I think your All closet right. in the bedroom, someplace where you live, I think that'd be fine. Okay, definitely will. All right, Marcus, thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. Live and festive
0: in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB.
1: 736 on a Saturday morning, 30 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden from Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful. You to define success any way you want to. If you have a question about how to achieve that goal, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. The numbers that Cindy dialed just a couple of minutes ago, and here she is on the air. Hey, Cindy. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Walter.
1: How can I help, Cindy?
2: Well, we want to start a compost pile. Great, and we're in the mountains. Of course, we we've got a lot of trees.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm wondering about
0: the best place to put it.
1: Mm, sun is better than shade. It needs to be warm during the summertime, warm during the winter if it can, and so sunny place is better than a shady place. Okay. Um, depending on how you're going to make this. The, the uh, compost pile, you might want to go and think, how my neighbors view this? <laughs> In other words, if you put it beside right. the driveway where everybody sees it, that's not as good as maybe behind a garage or someplace that not everybody gets to enjoy your compost pile like you. Um, what else we need to know? That's about how it. How
2: big does it have to be? How what? How big does it have
1: to be? You know, to warm up. Everybody who does a compost pile is aware that if you warm it up on the inside, then it kills more seeds and weed seeds and diseases and things like that. So to make a really good pile that warms up nicely, I would say four feet by four feet. Okay. And if you get a nice pile like that in the wintertime, even today, 30 degrees outside, put your arm in the middle of it, it'll be hot. It'll be 80, 90 degrees inside that pile. It's just decomposition of the fungi and the bacteria working around in there. And so the four feet feet by four feet pile gives you sort of an insulation layer around the interior where it's working. There's your phone. Somebody's calling you, Cindy. Okay. So any other questions about the compost? What to put into it? Just put leaves, green stuff out of the kitchen. Just anything that looks organic, you can decompose. Put it in the pile. Don't worry so much about how many, you know, what percentage of brown and green and how many inches of leaves and how many inches of grass clippings and things like that. After you've gotten used to playing with the compost pile for a year, then you can start worrying about other things. But I promise you, nature has made a way for everything organic to (laughs) rot. It will rot no matter how you pile it up, no matter what rules you follow. It's all going to rot eventually. So don't worry so much about rules. Just worry about keeping it warm. And if you want to turn it around, turn it over a couple of times so that the interior is on the exterior and the exterior is on the interior so that everything gets decomposed evenly, that's another thing you can do just just for the fun of it.
0: Do I have to have a, a container around it, a fence or chicken wire anything, or anything? Yeah, because it
1: otherwise it'll the leaves will blow off of it. So, But yeah. again, you can improvise that. Chicken wire would be fine. A little fencing would be fine. If you want not really ugly, get wooden pallets. I've seen those before, and they're really ugly, Cindy. <laughs> That's why you worry about what your neighbors can see. So, uh, whatever well, my neighbors you got. are
2: pretty far away. <laughs> oh, in
1: that case, don't worry about it. Put, well, put Christmas I, I lights on it. to
0: tell you, too, that last year, about this time, I called to ask about planting a magnolia tree. Yeah. And you said, go ahead and plant it, and it is the happiest
1: magnolia tree. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> My advice goes through and true sometimes. Yeah, good yeah. for you, Cindy. Thank you. All right. Have fun with the compost pile. It'll be a little project for you to mess with yeah. all year long.
2: Yeah. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for you. calling.
1: Lance is with us. Lance comes to us from Lilburn, Georgia. Hey, Lance, good morning.
2: Good morning to you.
1: Hey, man, what's up?
2: Well, I renovated an area, cleared out a bunch of daylilies that were getting quite impacted, and now I want to turn around there and spread the good ones around in a new area. Sure. Uh, Is it too cold to get out there and be digging them up and moving them?
1: Uh, you know, the chance of um, being a little sunny, Tomorrow's gonna be, today's going to be pretty sunny most of the day. Tomorrow will be sunny as well. Go ahead. When it gets to this afternoon, it's going to get up to 50, what did I say, 55 degrees. So, yeah, I think this afternoon will be a great time. I'm not going to sentence you to do it in the rain and snow as my father would do. For <laughs> you, Lance, do it on the day when it's warm. Today's fine.
2: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: You bet. Nothing to it. Yep. Christy, Christy is way down in Valdosta. Is that true? Christy, are you listening to us in Valdosta? No, I'm in Atlanta visiting oh, my mother. But you're from Valdosta? Yes. The beautiful city of Valdosta.
0: Well, technically Lake Park.
1: <laughs> then how can I help you this morning, Christy?
0: All my trees, my grapevines have lichen. Uh huh. Doesn't matter if it's a young tree, an old tree. I called my county extension and they said, don't worry about it, it won't hurt the tree. Mm-hmm. But the limbs that the lichen is on die. Yeah. And I can't find anything to make it go away.
1: The extension person was right. You can leave lichens alone because they don't contribute anything to the decline of a tree or a limb or a trunk or a shrub or whatever you got. What's actually happening is lichens just like bark. They, the bark is real porous uh, places where the little roots of the lichen can go in and, and root in there. And so the like bark is off the ground so they're not attacked by things that eat lichens. And the reason they're able to grow on your muscadine vine or the limbs of your tree or whatever is because the tree itself or the limb itself maybe is not shading it quite as much as it might expect to be. So lichens love to be in partial to full uh, sun during the day. And your leaves on your shrub or whatever you got the lichens on Are not shading it enough to make the lichens go away But they didn't do anything to make the tree weak in the first place Or the vine weak in the first place The vine or tree was weak initially And the lichens just found a good place to, to latch onto the bark So really and truly the extension person was right You can ignore them They didn't do anything to make the tree die or the limb die at all
0: So then the trees are weak
1: they are weakened. They don't have much as much leaf cover as they should, and so we strengthen the tree by fertilizing or watering if it seems to need water during the summertime, something that's causing the tree itself to be thin, and that allows the lichens to grow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> I mean,
0: it <laughs> is on everything.
1: And so now you get to look around and think, now how can I do it? You know, as long as the plant looks pretty good, and I'm hopeful that some of your plants look pretty good, as long as they seem healthy, again, the lichens don't do anything to make them decline.
0: Because my sawtooth oaks are huge. Yeah. But they have got on the lower branches. Yeah. They are just covered.
1: So. <laughs> you want something to worry about, Chrissy. That's the problem. You don't worry about lichens. They're not a problem. I promise okay. you. They're not there. And because you're yes, my I- friend, now that you're my friend, and I've y'all let you, I will tell you something new and interesting that you should know about. And that is, what does Peter Rabbit have to do with lichens? Any ideas? Probably not.
0: Do they like to eat it?
1: No, they don't. But Beatrice Potter, who wrote the Peter Rabbit books, she was, before she was a writer, was a a fungus investigator. She was a scientist. And she was one of the very first people who said, you know what a lichen is? A lichen is a... Combination of an algae and a fungus that are symb- symbiotically growing together. The algae huh. is inside, photosynthesizes, and gives energy and some chemicals that the fungus that's on the outside needs. And the fungus protects the algae from from uh, drying out, and the algae inside feeds the fungus. So the two of them live very nicely together, making what we call a lichen.
0: Well, isn't that interesting? Beatrice You're just Potter. You just have all kinds of information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Christy, go worry about something else. The lichens, don't worry about them at all.
0: All right. All
1: right. Happy... Have a Merry,
0: Merry Christmas. Merry
1: Christmas to you as well. <laughs> Bye-bye. 44 minutes past the hour. Ronald is up in Hiram, Georgia. Hey, Ronald. Morning. Sir, Mr. Reed? Yes, sir. How can I help?
2: I've got a apple tree. It's a big tree, and it makes a bumper crop every year, just yeah. about it. But... Uh, uh, two or three years ago there was a big limb split off yeah. from the trunk of the tree and I didn't do anything about it but just clean it up and it's uh, it's rotten and uh, it made a big hole there yeah. in the trunk of the tree yes sir. and I've uh, around parks and all I've seen where they' put semen in them holes. And it uh heal over, but do you have any suggestions?
1: Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> there you go, don't do it. Three words. Um, all the true tree scientists have shown time and time again that filling up holes actually exacerbates the whole potential, you know, the trunk getting hollow potential of the tree, because what happens is the cement is there for a year, two, or three, and finally the tree as it grows and sways back and forth, either the cement will crack and allow moisture inside, or the edges of the cement will get loosened from the trunk of the tree and bugs and moisture again will get to go inside the tree. And then they'll be hidden inside and no way for it to dry out. And then the tree will get more hollow and more hollow and more hollow underneath that concrete plug than it would have if you just leave it alone. Even letting water accumulate in there, the tree knows instinctively how to seal off water Water standing, standing inside of a uh, hole in the tree. So you really should not put anything, not the expanding foam, not concrete, not tar, not anything. The tree lives longer and protects itself better if you leave it alone.
2: Well, this limb is pretty close to the bottom. It's uh, two or three feet from the bottom. Yeah. And it's uh, rotted way down in there, and uh, I took a water hose and washed it out, uh, so I could put it in there, but I just want to hear somebody tell me if it was a bad idea.
1: It is a bad idea. If you've already done it, then we'll just see what happens, but typically with a hole that deep, that low on the tree, the tree falls over in a storm. And that can't be can't be uh, prevented by putting the concrete in the hole.
2: This is a Jonah red tree, and it always makes a bumper crop. And I mm-hmm. don't know where a uh, nursery that well, I might find know. that kind.
1: That's the kind of thing almost you have to go online, get somebody to go on Google and say searching for Jonah red apple tree, and there are vendors online that sell things bare root bare root apple trees, four or five feet long. Yeah, and so you can get them, you can buy them, but you probably won't find a nursery where you live. Okay. Thank you very kindly. It's great talking to you, Ronald. Uh, Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you soon. It's 747 on a Saturday morning. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's
2: largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need.
0: Beautiful girl love the dress high school smile oh yes beautiful girl love the dress where she
2: is now i can only guess cuz it's gone daddy
1: gone love oh we're gone daddy gone. gone this is a great saturday morning we've about to be gone daddy gone thank you jason barrett for bringing that music to us so we can you're your weather update from Ackerman Security: Mostly sunny today, high 55 degrees, low overnight 37. Really pretty outside. Chance of rain maybe late tomorrow. High 56, low of 30 on Sunday. You get your full weekend forecast in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. After the show today, where is Ashley Frassin going to be not at home taking a nap like she normally does? She will be out at Fred's Barbecue House in Lithia Springs. Why will you be there, Ashley?
0: I envy you, because you can go home and take a nap. But, I mean, this is an adrenaline high for me every year. Fred's Barbecue House in Lithia Springs with the entire traffic team. Um, Captain Herb Emery's wife, Karen. The whole community of Douglasville, really. The sheriff's office comes out. Uh, So many people in the community are going to be there Remembering the life of Captain Herb, and we're carrying on his tradition of raising toys and money for the Toys for Tots of Metro Atlanta. And it's a great day. It's just so much fun. Everyone brings the family out, and each year we incorporate more and more things for the kids. Face painting and different tankers. They get to see there's a a bomb device from the GBI <laughs> that was there last year. Santa Claus is there, a sled. So it's just really a nice day as we remember him and kind of gather together as a community and eat some good barbecue. barbecue
1: bring a toy, bring an unwrapped toy. It's, bring it. The truck will come up at four o'clock I think and load them up then, but bring an unwrapped toy and visit everybody there at Fred's Barbecue in Lithia Springs. It's a great event, actually.
0: It is. And, and whether or not you bring a new unwrapped toy there's also monetary donations because toys for tots there's such a need everyone enjoys buying the toys for the younger kids you know the toddler sure. age and so when toys for tots gets all of these things in a large warehouse and starts sorting them by boy girl an age group they're often the older age groups that are forgotten about so the donations are just as important so that the 14 and 15 and 16 year olds can be shopped for and taken uh, care of as
1: well nice very nice it's a great effort. The traffic team is to be commended for that. They will be there at Fred's Barbecue House today, nine o'clock till four o'clock. Dave Baker will be doing the Home fixing Show, nine o'clock to noon today. Dave Baker will be there as well, answering your questions and entertaining and he's much better as an entertainer than i am certainly live
0: he's definitely live. funny he um and live. i don't know if we'll get him on a motorcycle but we have a motorcycle ride too that takes off at 11 o'clock it's i think about 26 miles maybe through the community mm-hmm. maybe 30 miles um and i know it's a chilly day for it but it's better than last saturday
1: so <laughs> much we'll take better it. than last saturday you want a job Ash? i got a job for you oh let's do it think of a number between two and seven all right Oh, that's so hard. that will determine who wins a four passes to see Golden Globe Best Picture nominee, The Shape of Water, at participating AMC Theaters, plus a the family with four pack of tickets to the Atlanta Gladiators home game at Infinite Energy Arena. What collar will get these tickets? It's going to make it easy. Call two. Caller two. Call number two to our contest line 404 750 404 750 Four people get to see The Shape of Water and the Atlanta Gladiators. It's 758. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden After News.